Well, to be honest, I think probably like most companies, we were incredibly unsure of how the pandemic would impact our business. Basically bracing for what we felt would be a, a downturn economically. That's Aaron Yogfeld, CEO of Generac, a company that makes backup power generators. He said early in the pandemic, he froze spending, he froze hiring, and he worried about what a downturn would do to his business. So is that what ended up happening? No. <laughs> um, what ended up happening for us was quite the opposite. What we found is that as homeowners transitioned to work from home and their kids transitioned to learning from home, we just saw the demand continue to build for these products throughout the pandemic. Suddenly, people everywhere wanted generators. You know, we really became an essential product for a lot of people. And so, you know, I, I don't know that you could put us right up there with toilet paper and other things that were in that kind of demand for a period there, but we certainly were hearing that we became indispensable. To keep up with all the new orders, Aaron had to start hiring a lot. And that's when he ran into a new problem, one that many businesses like his are also facing. He had more work than ever, but he had problems finding enough workers. And that got us wondering, with such high unemployment and an economy that's still recovering, why are companies like Generac finding it so tough to hire? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, March 4th. Coming up on the show, the hidden parts of the job market that are booming and what that could mean for the economy at large. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. There's three main industries where jobs are booming right now. Our colleague Sarah Cheney-Cambon has been covering it. One is residential construction because demand for new homes has been really strong during the pandemic. A lot of people need, for instance, a, a home office or more space. The second is e-commerce. So think warehousing jobs, truck driving jobs, anything that it takes to sort of deliver things to people's homes because we've seen a pickup in online shopping during the pandemic. And the third? The third is manufacturing because you need people to produce those things that have been ordered online. Despite all the economic hardship right now, people are still buying a lot of new stuff. And that stuff can be big, like buying a new home. Home sales have been booming during the pandemic. New home sales soared 19% over last year. We had the best existing home sales number in 15 years. That's because the Federal Reserve cut interest rates to historically low levels last year. And so mortgage rates are really low and that's attractive for prospective home buyers. Plus, people have been stuck at home during the pandemic and so they oftentimes want more space and that's leading to the construction of new homes and hiring in the residential construction space. 
The residential construction industry was one of the very first industries to bounce back. As early as May of last year, building contractors were hiring again. Today, employment in residential construction is actually higher than it was before the pandemic. But people aren't just buying houses, they're buying much smaller things too, like board games or workout equipment, which leads us to manufacturing and e-commerce. As we are in this pandemic, more and more people are buying things online. Walmart, Target, and Home Depot all reported online sales growth of 75% or more. Walmart planning to hire 20,000 employees at fulfillment centers as the company prepares for a jump in online shopping. Throughout the pandemic, we've just been buying more stuff. I, for instance, have been buying a lot of sweatpants and yoga pants online to stay comfortable. So overall, retail sales are higher than they were before the pandemic started. And more of that shopping is happening online. Before the pandemic, Americans did about 40% of their shopping on the internet. Now it's 60%. So one thing that we're buying more online than we did before the pandemic is groceries. Before the pandemic, you would go to the grocery store, pick up the food items you needed, and there would be a lot of jobs at the grocery store like a cashier. But now there needs to be a lot more jobs in truck driving to deliver those groceries to your doorstep. And this dynamic isn't only happening with groceries, it's happening all across e-commerce with the items that we buy online. Generac is a company that's benefiting from all these trends. People are buying new homes and might want a generator. And a lot of generator sales are happening online. And of course, they have to be manufactured somewhere. In this case, it's in Wisconsin. So to meet the growing demand, Aaron needed to hire more people, like a thousand more people. And he thought, in this economy, that should be easy. We thought, oh, there's going to be a much larger labor pool available to us because there have been a lot of people that have had a dislocation from their employment, and in particular in the service sector. So hospitality, travel and leisure, restaurants, things of that nature. And, <laughs> and we thought that that would be how it would play out. But that's not how it played out. It wasn't easy to convince people to switch from a restaurant or tourism job to a factory job. Manufacturing has had kind of a bad rap. You hear the word manufacturing and you think immediately of kind of a dimly lit place that's got, you know, it's loud, it's dirty, you're working with your hands, and it's generally not a nice place. It's kind of the thing that comes to mind. And really this kind of manual labor kind of, kind of concept at the same time, Generac was losing workers. Employees were getting sick or they stopped coming in because they were scared they could catch the virus. And so we had high rates of absenteeism. Up to 20% of our employees were not coming to work initially when the pandemic took hold. I mean, we're a manufacturing company, right? So out of the 7,000 employees, about 5,000 of those employees are out on the manufacturing floor. And, and unfortunately, that's not the kind of work you can do from home. So it's got to be done in a setting where you're congregating with other people. And so your safety is a concern. And that's, I mean, that's a challenge to try and run a manufacturing plant when only, when 20% of the people aren't there. So what did you do when 20% of your staff was missing? We had to get incredibly creative. One thing we had to really do uh, was to rethink the workday. So in a typical manufacturing environment, you have three eight-hour shifts, very defined kind of shifts, and you have these shift changeovers, and the workday is really an eight-hour block for the most part with you know some kind of break. We had to rethink that completely because what we found is people 
especially if they had children at home and they had obligations to get those children learning. They couldn't be at work maybe in their normal time spans that they had thought of in those shifts before. So what we went to was a, a highly variable workday. We ended up with 14 different shifts in a day in, in our factory. And that also uh, spanned weekends. So we had shifts where people could come in on a Friday and work through Sunday. They'd work, uh, you know, three 12-hour shifts uh, and get paid for 40 hours. So they'd work 36 hours, get paid for 40 hours. But that weekend shift really helped a lot of parents who struggled with having to make sure their kids were doing the virtual learning they needed to do during the week. The flexible shifts were popular, but it still wasn't enough. Aaron couldn't attract all the extra people he needed. Because he wasn't just competing with other factories. He was up against e-commerce businesses, too. You know, we have an Amazon, a large Amazon distribution operation 30 minutes from one of our major factories. And and that's a difficult thing to deal with because they'll go out and hire seasonally for the holiday season. And they'll have seasonal wages, and that pulls away from the opportunity for us to hire or, or retain people if we're not competitive. So we've had to compete really head-to-head with many of those companies in the, you know, kind of warehousing, distribution, and logistics ends of the business as they've really ramped their efforts as well. So we found it very difficult to find more employees. Aaron was fighting for the same workers that Amazon and other e-commerce companies also wanted to hire. So to convince them to work for him, he'd have to up the ante. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines. But are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? Stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work. Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our coworkers are dealing with, and that can make us and our companies healthier too. Join Holly Robinson Pete and her guests on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. At Generac, Aaron was having trouble hiring enough workers in his factory. One big reason for that is that jobs at warehouses and shipping companies often pay better than factory work. So Aaron had to increase pay, a lot. At the beginning of the pandemic, starting pay was around $12 an hour. Our wages have gone up about 30% over the last 18 months. So yeah, our starting wages in our factories now here in Wisconsin are over $17 an hour. Has there been an, any other moment in your career where you've had to raise wages by 30%? No, it's, it's unheard of. It's, it's really unheard of. It's unique. So what have these wage increases done to the company's bottom line? 
what it's done is we've been able to pass along a good chunk of that with uh, pricing. So prices have come up slightly uh, to cover for those costs. You know, we've also tried to take costs out of our product on the raw material side and try and balance that out there so that it's not dramatically impactful on our bottom line. There is certainly an impact. I would say this, the impact of not being able to produce and respond to the demand surge, the lost opportunity cost of that is much greater than the cost to our bottom line of a 30% increase in wages. Other companies have gone even further than just raising pay. They're waiving background checks and drug screenings for new workers. They're tapping work release programs at local jails. And they're even asking executives to take shifts on the factory floor. Our colleague Sarah says it's the kind of thing you might see during a strong economy, but not when there's such high unemployment. It seems like a paradox, and in some ways it is. But there are a few things driving the struggle for some companies to find workers. One is that a lot of people were laid off from their jobs in the restaurant industry, from movie theaters, from Broadway. And a lot of those people are holding out hope that as vaccines are more widely distributed, that they will be able to return to their former jobs. Then you have other people in those services industries who lost their jobs but are just not interested in the sort of work that is required for a lot of blue-collar jobs. A lot of it involves heavy lifting or operating machinery, which just might not be of interest to some people. And economists call this a skills mismatch. But it's also because some people are just dropping out of the job market. Millions of people have stopped looking for work altogether during the pandemic, For a few different reasons, Uh, for some people, it might be that they are fearful of returning to work and catching the coronavirus. For other people, they have increased childcare responsibilities at home because schools are closed down. So those people are not even looking for jobs right now. So when you piece all of these different factors together, you can kind of see why companies in blue-collar industries are struggling to find workers at this time of fairly elevated unemployment. What clues does this hiring boom give us about what the rest of the recovery might look like? I think that it's honestly an early sign that we could see a really strong recovery. A lot of economists agree that there will be continued strength in those sectors after the pandemic ends. I say that because this pandemic-induced acceleration in online shopping that we've seen is expected to last. A lot of surveys point to that. With regards to construction, for instance, like the housing market is expected to continue to remain strong. Interest rates will be low for the foreseeable future, and people are very likely to continue working from home in some capacity and might want an actual home instead of a small studio apartment. And so there's a lot of evidence that there will be continued strength in hiring in these sectors. At Generac, Aaron is expecting sales to grow by 25 to 30 percent this year. The company plans to open a new factory in South Carolina. And Aaron says that one of his biggest concerns about the future is figuring out how he's going to hire the 750 people he needs to work there. It is, without a doubt, one of the largest risks that we face to our growth, right? If we can't get people to build our products, to design our products, and it's not just, we've been talking a lot about 
manufacturing shortages, but there are shortages in all of the other types of, uh, you know, roles that are really important for a company like ours. You mentioned that there's an Amazon warehouse nearby. Correct. Do you drive by that? And what do you think when you see that place in terms of what it means for the competition that you have? They actually are a good customer of ours. We sell them uh, backup power generation for some of their distribution centers and things. So I've had the good fortune of actually having a tour of uh, that facility. And um, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. Kudos to them for what they've been able to do. That's on the one side. On the other side, you're right. I view a competitor for the same labor pool. So as much as we love them as a customer, what I see when I drive by there is at first I marvel at it and then I immediately say, wow, the parking lot's really full or, <laughs> or maybe it's not. You know, So my thoughts immediately go to just how busy do they look and what do their starting wages say on, you know, they oftentimes have billboards on either sides of the facilities close by to try and entice people. And, and so you try to pick up all the cues on what they're doing from a hiring standpoint and to know them as a competitor that way. So how often do you hear like, oh, we lost another candidate to Amazon again? That, that is, we hear it all too often. Do you have any advice for somebody who's looking for work, maybe in the Milwaukee area or anywhere else? Uh, look at Generac. Um, <laughs> we, we've got great opportunities. We need people. And your starting wages are at $17 an hour. They are. And our benefits are great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Aaron. This has been great, Ryan. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. That's all for today, Thursday, March 4th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Sharon Turlip, Bob Tita, and Ben Foldy. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.